Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. It is always, I have my partner in crime, Neil Kulong. What's up, Big Neil? It's a great day, Lance. We're excited here. Steeler Nation kicking off the business season at the end of kind of a disappointing 2022 season. But the value here is how this process is going to work. How do the Steelers climb from the level of mediocrity that they've been in recently into a potential Super Bowl contender for next season? A lot of things need to happen for that, Lance. We know that. We're not rose-colored glasses, guys. Nobody would accuse us of that. But it's not impossible either. So lots to get into. It's going to be a great month. It's going to be a great off-season. Let's kick it off. I'm super excited. Rose-colored glasses. I think I'm mauve-colored glasses. That's my ultimate favorite color to say is mauve. So I'm mauve colored glasses why isn't there a negative colored glasses or is there yeah. i mean the, yeah. the connotation of rose color is not positive i you know ironically it, it's it's meant to be uh the pejorative but yes i'm probably not optimistic overall i don't think anybody would accuse me of that i, I tend to, to see <laughs> the pessimistic side of of our beloved pittsburgh steelers not out of hate, just out of more abject reality. That's the way that I see it. But what, what color glasses am I wearing then? Brown. Um, that, that, that's the easiest. To reality go with, right? colored glasses. Reality I, color. What, what's the color of reality? Can we, can um, we define that? It's multicolored. Multicolored. <laughs> <laughs> you Except rose, obviously. <laughs> Except Rose. But with that, listeners, we're going to jump into a new program. And the name of today's show, in light of Neil's comments, it's Are the Steelers Close? So we'll take a look at that from a, a couple of different perspectives. If you want to join the program, go to YouTube, do a search for the new standard. You can also check the podcast or any podcast feed or do a search for the new standard. And Steelers, and some of the things we're going to jump into on today's show, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, of course, the NFL honors. We're going to talk about are the Steelers close to winning a championship? And we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame class. And, and we're going to talk about this question of are the Steelers close from a few perspectives. I kept it open-ended because it could be answered and talked about in several ways. Are the Steelers close to winning a championship? Are the Steelers close to winning a division title? Which one? What are the Steelers closest to? Are they close to either? And we're going to jump into that question. But, Neil, give me your thoughts overall uh, on the Super Bowl. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game. Um, it didn't end the way that I thought that it would. Uh, the first half did. <laughs> I kind of thought Philadelphia would be able to hang on to that. But uh, all the credit in the world to Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Juju had a great game. Um, they did a, a, a phenomenal job in the second half, just offensive mastery. You really saw uh, the, the combination of high-level skill and high-level scheme coming together. Um, and they did it to a defense that had its coordinator hired 48 hours later for a, a head coaching job. Um, yes. it, it, an excellent team. You know, the Chiefs, uh, not the Chiefs that we had come to know to this point, they had to do it in a much harder fashion. I think they didn't have those splash plays, but for me, and the part of this is trying to be interesting, trying to find a, a, a good takeaway from it. I think my big one, honestly, is that I, I think Jalen hurts was the MVP of the game, you know, nothing to not taking anything away from Mahomes. Uh, phenomenal performance from Mahomes. I thought Mahomes was better in, in the AFC championship game. Uh, although he was excellent in both. I'm aware of Hertz's fumble, but Hertz, his team let him down. I mean, he threw, my opinion, there were two of them, two of the best passes of his career, probably the two best passes of his career. He was flawless outside of the fumble. He threw everything. He had a, a bad drop on uh, the third throw, which was incredible. Um, the one that got it in the sideline was unreal. That should have been held on to. Yeah, uh, that's, that's his, his team about. let him down. You know, they, they did not make the plays that they needed to make. And A.J. Brown 
uh, echoed that sentiment after the game. They they left plays on the field, but Hurts, in my opinion, didn't. I mean, the, the fumble killed him. You know, I, I can't get past that. And that's why I'm not rallying for, for him to be an MVP. But I thought play to play, Jalen Hurts was the, the highest performer in that game. He was excellent on the ground as well. Uh, total command of the pocket. Uh, great game. I just love to see it. I love Jalen Hurts. I love what they've done with him. I love how they are playing football in Philadelphia. A uh, rough game for for them, but a, a, a well played Super Bowl on both sides. And I, I think um, the Chiefs just had a little bit more at the end. That that's the Chiefs won the plays. I thought the Eagles were going to win in a close game, and good for the Chiefs for for doing that. You know what I? You know if you, if you saw me in the background doing this, listeners. That's me popping my collar because I think I end up winning the contest with the with the selection of the Chiefs as, as the Super Bowl winner. And yep. you know I, I'm not going to, uh, you know, you know. Well, I am going to da, 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 da. <laughs> tr- blow your own horn. Tr- I, I'm terrible with cliches, as you well know. But uh, one thing I will say is, you know, when I was looking at this game, you know, the football analyst side of me thought that the the Eagles would win because of a a perceived dominance on both sides of line of scrimmage, their offensive weapons, and they've just played fantastic football over the course of the entire season. They've just pounded teams, but I kept coming back to one thing. They got Patrick Mahomes and and they got Andy Reid. And when you put that combination together, particularly Andy Reid with a, with a bye week, I mean, Andy Reid is almost invincible with the bye week. And Andy is just right now with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick is his muse. I mean, and, I mean, Andy may never quit coaching. I mean, he's found his guy. It's his muse. He may never leave. He can basically do whatever he wants to schematically on a football field with Patrick Mahomes. Anything he envisioned and dreamed of is possible with Patrick. And that leads me to, to the big question, one of the big questions. First, I want to ask you, though, but I thought it was a fantastic game. And I think it goes to show you these cliches around football just aren't, aren't salient anymore, like defense wins championships and so on and so forth. That stuff just doesn't resonate anymore in today's game. You've got to be able to do everything to win championships. And I think that's always been the case. But if you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes and some of these teams, I mean, you're going to have to score 35 points when it counts. I mean, sometimes your defense is just not going to be able to hold up no matter what you do. No matter if you got 70 sacks over the course of the season, you're outstanding. You're going to play some of these guys that you're just going to have to uh, hold on to the rope and hope you survive. And speaking of defense in that game, what was your thoughts on the holding call? I don't think it's controversial at all. He (laughs) held – I'm not the type of guy that says you don't call that in that moment. Don't hold in that moment because if he doesn't hold, it's a score anyway. He probably scores a touchdown. So the hold helped Philadelphia stay in the game and just give up a field goal because if not, that's seven and Juju might be the MVP and and, and Judo and and Juju with the shade. Oh, my goodness. Did you see the Valentine meme? (laughs) I thought it was – it was funny from him, and it's so juju-like because it's like, wow, dude, that that's, that's pretty aggressive. Yeah, even if he is just clowning around, and then you see AJ Brown just body slam him after it too. It was, it, it, I I like that kind of stuff. I I work in that business. Um, it's it's good for my business when they do. Um, I I enjoy it. I thought it was funny, but um, it it was it was a hold. I mean, you know, here's the thing, people want to make officiating out to be like they have the 20 minutes that it takes you to bitch and complain on social media, pound a beer, take a piss, come back, bitch and complain some more and and stack up all these reasons. They have a nanosecond to make that decision. And the context of which comes down to the play itself, not the moment, not the game, not the field, what they're looking at. And in that play, the reason James Bradbury, who's a really good cornerback, by the way, the reason he throws himself on the grenade after the game, admitting to it, is because he got beat and his defense got beat 
for the third time on the same concept. And it would have been a third touchdown if he didn't hold him. There's no way you could argue that he didn't hold him. And here, the biggest part of this that we know, and this is a key piece for people to know, I'll try not to be too much of a, a technical dork with it, but you have something called rock and roll, which is a way to isolate coverage on an inside receiver when there's motion away from it. Basically, the, the slot who is left alone with the motion goes back to where the safety is, and the safety drops then to the moving strong side of the field and takes the inside receiver. The Eagles did that two other times, and as we saw, the, the, char- or the, the Chiefs just simply doubled back on the motion, and the guy's wide open because there's nobody there. Bradbury knew that was happening. He got beat on it. He knew he had no help because the safety dropped down to the other side. He's beaten, okay? Here's my definition for a hold. Play side, where the play is going. If somebody is beaten, a defender is beaten down the field, and it's going to be an obvious target to the receiver who he is holding, that's a hold. You can't not call that. I don't give a shit if it's the last play of the game. You have to call that. It was a blatant hold, okay? I understand that people are upset, but to act as if, well, you didn't call holding any other play of the game. That was the most obvious example. I don't, I don't know how much more extreme it would need to be, but they, they needed to call that because Juju's scoring. There's no way that's not a touchdown oh, yeah. if he doesn't hold him. And he does hold him. You can't give me still frames from your couch, never having set foot on an NFL field, and tell me that that doesn't hold up a receiver in a timing game against elite athletes who are so freakish in their skills. You can't even comprehend how athletic these guys are there to, to do what Bradbury did is plenty to slow him down, to ruin the timing on the play, to nullify what would have been a, a, a touchdown. Watch it again. Look at where Juju is when the contact is made. Look at where Mahomes body is. Juju is going to catch the ball and cross the front pylon of, of yes, the ball. absolutely. Easily. There's Easily. no question that happens on that play. The, the Chiefs snookered him. That's plain and simple, and Bradbury knew it. It's the only thing Bradbury could do. People have no problem defending the, the, the uh, corner in that situation if he's beaten downfield and yanks the guy to the ground. Well, he saved the touchdown. Yeah, so did Bradbury. He saved the yeah. touchdown. Yeah, exactly. It sucks exactly. that it was on third down. It sucks that the Chiefs then got to run a bunch of clock, but why doesn't Philly have a timeout? Because they screwed up earlier in the game. Why are they in the position to lose the lead? Because they screwed up a lot in the second half. There are all kinds of things that that went into this. It was not the holding call, okay? The holding call was justified. At the very least, it was justified. If that happened between the Texans and the Titans in week seven in the second quarter, nobody cares. It's an obvious hold. To act as if the gravity of the Super Bowl means you can't call that is ridiculous. It's just stupid. Yeah. You don't, All that says is the defense gets to do whatever it wants to do because you're going to let him play. He literally did not let him play. That was <laughs> yes. the whole point. That's yes. why it's a penalty. This isn't rocket surgery. I know that people get upset over the, the officiating. Really wasn't a big deal in this game. And as, no. as it was pointed out here, too, Kansas City stopped the best pass-rushing team in the NFL. Shut them out. They didn't give up a sack. Yeah, big up to G-Stacks for that stat. Casey it, gave them no stats. Kansas I agree City with you. kicked their ass in the second half. That's just what it comes down to. And I'm, I picked Philadelphia to win the game. I don't have a, 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 a rooting interest, per se. I have huge respect for, for both of the teams. I love watching both of them play. I probably like Philadelphia a little bit more just in the sense that I, I enjoyed watching them play a little bit more, but it, I I'm telling you plain and simple, the chiefs beat the snot out of them over, over the last two quarters of the game. Philadelphia had ample opportunities to win that game prior to the holding call and they blew it. They choked. There's, there's no two ways about that. And yeah. it's unfortunate, but yeah, they were up, look, they were it's, up, it's a penalty what? for a reason. They were up what? 10 points in the second half. 24, 14. Yeah, and to Richard Kikorian's uh, a point, why do you hold there? Be- because that's what your body is going you, to do. Yeah, you, you don't have the time to think that. You're right yeah. in the sense yeah. that watching it back, yeah. it probably wasn't the best move. But yeah. 
at the same time, you know, it's funny. And I, I, I'm glad this came up because I had this conversation with somebody uh, within the, the Eagles organization. The thought that we had is just because both of us have, have respected Juju, highly underrated, intelligent player. Juju is a really smart receiver. I, Juju catches the ball in front of the pylon. I think he goes down. I think he would have known the situation that he was in. He would have known he had that opportunity, and he's selfless. He really is. I know that he's a clown. He's going to piss people off off the field. You know, he's going to generate attention that way. On the field, he is a very smart, very disciplined player. Not a not an elite player, but as we saw in the Super Bowl, he's a damn good one, and he's a reliable one. I think he would have gone down. I think they would have had the same situation, just first and goal, uh, with the opportunity to, to kneel on it. Not even, you know, it, McKinnon made that uh, uh, a moot point when he went down smart. You know, another smart, heady play uh, from a very smart, well-coached, well-disciplined team. Yeah, and I'm glad and I'm glad you said that. And to Richard Kikorian's point again, the call cheap in the end for all of us. I don't think so. It's part of the game. It's it's part of the theater of the game. That's what we're talking about now. And I'm glad you said that and made the comment about uh, McKinnon being well-coached because I wanted to bring that up. I think that is an example. A lot of times we get um, enamored with game planning, X's and O's, concepts, schemes. But the McKinnon play is as evident of a team being well-coached as anything. Amen. That is situational football. They are well-coached. He knew exactly what to do. Two rounds ago. Two rounds ago. San Francisco 49ers, who are a very well-coached team, what did their running back do in a similar situation? He iced the game. He went for for eight yards on, I think – Maybe it was like third and five. They handed the ball off because they're trying to kill the clock um, against uh, – um, it wasn't even Seattle. Was it Seattle? Uh, I forget. Yeah. It, it, was it, a clo- it was a closer game. San Francisco had to put the game on ice. Under two minutes, first down seals it. He gets the first down. He runs for a couple more yards, and then he goes out of bounds. And it happens. I, I swear I saw that happen a couple times no, this year. I think it year. was Dallas. And it, it, was it, Dallas. it was Dallas. That's it, Dallas. I always forget the Dallas game. I, it, it, it happens every year a couple times. You'll have a running back that isn't thinking about that. And it, it's inexplicable to me at this point. Like, how many situations do you have to see this? You know, it, it's interesting to me because running back is the one position. Um, well, it's the skill position that will have the most experience by the time they get to the NFL. If you're a running back in the NFL, you carried the ball a ton in high school. You probably carried the ball a ton in college. By the time you get to the NFL, you should have encountered pretty much any situation. Almost every scenario. You should know all of that. A receiver, and I, I, I say this often in this show, George Pickens barely played the game of football. He is such a freakish talent. He barely played in college and was a second round draft pick. He got hurt too, but I can understand his situational awareness, not being the best, his rookie season, but there's no way a, a, a veteran NFL running back should not know going into it. Okay. It's the super bowl. It's second and, and two or in second and six. And we're seven yards from the end zone. If they're just going to let me walk in, I need to drop myself right as, as close to the first down marker as possible to not score a touchdown and to stay in bounds. If I don't get the first down, right. that's fine. We want to run the clock here. That's the only reason I'm getting the ball right now. So I need to do my job. You have to know that. And right. Kansas City availed itself well. That, that, that's, that's a running back. And Jarek McKinnon's been around for a while. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. He was an FCS guy. He played against NDSU in the the, uh, semifinals back in the day. Beast athletically, and NDSU shut his ass down. That was great. It was a lot of fun. He played in a a triple option team. (laughs) It was awesome. Georgia Southern, um, they they racked up like 6,000 rushing yards that year. NDSU gave up like 90, I think, something like that. But uh, McKinnon has been around for a while. Uh, he's a he's a good player. He's still getting paid good money to play this game, and he might have made the play of his career just with that. And we'll we'll make either not enough out of that or way too big a deal out of it. But it's just good to see uh, there are some players who are going to think the game ahead of their own personal stats. You think Jarek McKinnon doesn't want to say that he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl? You know yeah. that he does. 
he made the right decision for his team in that moment, and he deserves uh, accolation for that because he's not going to, you know, he doesn't have the touchdown. Who knows if he's going to get another one? Yeah, that's great. And, and being a former head coach, um, you know, just in the high school level, it's it's the way it usually works is you communicate that before the play. So like in the NFL, I'm sure that's in the headset of Mahomes. After you hand this guy, tell him to to drop, tell him to slide. And that's part of the coaching aspect. Everybody is telling him in the huddle, look, slide, slide, slide. And I know it looked like he wasn't when he got to the one. Let me ask this question. Oh, he, he ran up to where he should have run. I mean, yeah. if, if, if they wouldn't have handed it off if they just wanted him to hit the ground right away. They just yeah. wouldn't have knelt on it. They needed to, to run a competitive play because they could still get a first down. Right. You push to that and, and see where that takes you. Philadelphia, as it was brought up in the comments as well, Philadelphia was letting him score. They were giving him the opportunity to take the bait and make the mistake, the only mistake that, that Philadelphia could have hoped they made, short of God help him, poor Ernest Biner. Outside of, of that kind of a fluke type of play, the only thing they could have done was let him score a touchdown. It's the only way they would have gotten the ball back. So McKinnon did exactly what he was supposed to do. He stayed in bounds. He tried to you know get close to the first, but it was really, really close. You Don't push it. They don't need yeah, the first yeah. down per se. Um, get as close to that as you can to keep your options open, you know, but don't hit the pylon and don't go out of bounds. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. How many times, man, kudos to you. I haven't heard the name Ernest Biner in so long. Oh, I mean, God. geez. I felt terrible for that guy. I was a kid and I was like crying about it. <laughs> and that was the Browns who I didn't like. My dad was mad at me for, for being upset about it. And I, I like the Broncos. I grew up loving John Elway and Clarence K, Mark Jackson, Sammy Winder, Carl Mecklenburg, Minnesota guy. Uh, I, I love those Broncos teams, but to, well, to see him fumble in that moment. I, I, just, I was like your dad. I was probably cheering in the house. Oh, talking. poor Ernest Byron. Did you see the did you see the, the 30 for 30 Believe Land? No, I did not. Oh, you have to watch that. You will cry when when poor Ernest they put Ernest Biner up there. It, it's it, the whole the the show is about the utter futility of Cleveland for a very long time. I may cry in laughter more than likely. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But it, I, Ernest Biner, cool. you know, it, Ernest Biner was a Brown. If he was a, a Steeler, you'd lay down your life for this guy. It's just a, <laughs> yeah. What a horrible horrible moment it, it honestly it's no different than jerome bettis it's just the steelers happened to win the game and the browns yes. lost bettis would have been an even bigger dog than than yes. biner because of who he was Hence, so uh, that's why they're cleveland but yep. let me ask you this in, in the framework of this super bowl are, are are the chiefs a dynasty right now i hate this conversation i, I really do it, it 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 doesn't matter whether they are or they aren't it only matters what people want to define that as. And I'll, I'll say this. I listen to Bill Simmons' podcast uh, during my workouts often. And he, of course, was getting into it because now it's Patriots fans that get to gatekeep what that term means to them. Well, no, now you got to win five championships in six years to be called a dynasty. Why? Why not? Why, why can't you win two and four and be a dynasty? It's because you don't like it. You, you don't think that that's the case, and that's fine. You have the right to your opinion, but I'm not going to change your mind on that. What I know is this. I don't think you have to win the Super Bowl to claim that you went to a Super Bowl. Logical, right? It, it's, it's the truth. The Chiefs are clearly, clearly the league's eminent franchise over the last five years. Not even close to a debate. And Philadelphia has played in two now, too. The Chiefs have been the NFL's team to beat in that time. If we don't want to use the word dynasty on that, fine. But what are the Chiefs then? They're the best team in the NFL over the last five years. Um, it, 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 if we need to get into semantics, again, I, I'm not going to die on that hill. But it, give them some credit, okay? They, they've done a pretty incredible job. They've won AFC championship games and they've lost them. They've played in the last, what, four or five in the AFC five now? In a row. They lost a Super Bowl. They've won two Super Bowls. This team has made more impact on the NFL than anybody else by far over the last five years. I think that that's kind of dynastic. I don't think you have to win the titles per se to do that, but you are not going to be able to talk about 2020s 
NFL without talking about the Chiefs, first and foremost. Yeah, like, That's the way this is right now. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. It, it. They're a dynasty, and this is what happens in the NFL. You get teams that go on dynastic runs almost every decade. You yep. had the Steelers. You had, uh, like, D.C. and San Francisco in the 80s. You had Dallas in the 90s. You had the Patriots for, like, 7,000 years. Patriots up until the Chiefs. <laughs> yes, and now you years have beyond Chiefs. that. You know, it makes the game interesting. Uh, I, I think what's different about this Chiefs dynasty is I think it's going to be very hard to sustain. Although they've been successful over the course of the last five years, I think it's going to be harder to sustain for them because you have a ton of good quarterbacks in the AFC. And you have some teams that are very competitive with them right now in the Bills and the Bengals. So I think it's going to make for very competitive football. And it goes to that question that we're talking about, are the Steelers close? And we are going to get to it. Let me ask you another question that I know you're going to hate as well. Is Mahomes <laughs> top five all time? Um, I, I don't think that question should be answered now. Mostly because I feel the ones that we are going to talk about in that era uh, were better in the second half of their career. Mahomes has a hellacious amount of arm talent. He's getting smarter. And for, for the Chiefs haters and people that, that need to nitpick over what a dynasty is or isn't or put other qualifications on winning two Super Bowls in four years, that, that apparently isn't good enough. Mahomes, one, had a, a pretty rough sprained ankle. Don't give me anything about it. it was fake, okay? If you saw it, you, that's a sprained ankle. He didn't move particularly well. Um, two, the big thing with the Chiefs, they made a strategic decision last offseason to trade their biggest playmaker. One, they didn't want to pay uh, what the market rate for a receiver is, which is you know, astronomical. That's what Hill wanted. Hill's skill set, I'll admit that I was wrong about this as far as year one goes, but Hill's skill set is almost entirely on the combination of world-class speed and inhuman conditioning. Those are not two things that improve with age. How much longer is he going to be able to do what he did? I think the Chiefs bet on him probably not being able to sustain that over the life of the massive contract that he wanted. I don't blame either side, I guess is what I'm saying. But the point here is the Chiefs had to completely reinvent their offense. And they did it with Mahomes. They did it with Reed. They, they found the things that they could do. They became a ball control offense. Uh, a, yeah. a, a smart a, passing attack. A 13 and personnel it, team. And nothing, was, nothing demonstrated this better than the Super Bowl. When Jalen Hurts was the one who hit on all the big plays. He was the one who made the runs. He is the one who scored the touchdowns. The Chiefs won in the end by simply outthinking what the, the Eagles defense was doing because the Chiefs didn't have the star power that the Eagles do. The Eagles made all the splash plays offensively. They let Hurts down. Once again, they dropped a couple they shouldn't have. Hurts made the, the bigger – I'm not going to say this correctly. He made the more arm talent plays – of yes. the two quarterbacks in this game. Mahomes, though, was probably the better quarterback at the end of the day. They did that in one season. I'll draw this parallel, Lance. You remember the 2007 Patriots, one of the most complete, devastating offenses the game has ever seen, certainly at the time, reinvented how vertical football was played, destroyed nearly everybody they played. You know, they didn't lose. They won all but one game. And of the 18 wins that they had, most of them were like by 20 points or more. They destroyed yeah. everybody. Within that championship miss to their next championship miss in 2011, Belichick, Brady, McDaniels, and a few other uh, offensive coaches that, that came in there, they had to completely reinvent their offense. And they did it and got back to a championship by throwing short 
playing smart. Wes Welker came out of nowhere and became this, this high-level all-pro receiver. Gronkowski came in. I, I think, was he on the team at that point? Maybe he wasn't. But they reinvented. They had, the they had uh, Hernandez. Hernandez and Gronk. Were they? And Gronk, I think. Gronk was on 2011? the way. I'm not sure, but he was on the way for sure. Yeah. They changed how they played football. It took them four seasons to do that. The Chiefs just did it in one. And Mahomes is still, what, 26 years old, something like that? Yeah, 26, 27. I don't want to say all time because I think that's disrespectful to the guys that played out an entire career. I don't think, though, the bar has to be set for Mahomes at Tom Brady, nor do we have to say championships is the only thing that matters here. There's a lot of factors that comes into it. I don't think many, with the exception of maybe maybe Rodgers, uh, have been more talented than Patrick Mahomes. Brady is, is the king. He's the winner. Mahomes is moving toward that. But Brady had a long lull at, at different points in his career. He's yeah, he had to change years. himself. But he got better as a quarterback in the back half of his career. It's because he learned a lot more. He had a lot more experience. Mahomes is going to have that. That, that renaissance is going to continue for him. Reed will retire at some point. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm not saying that we have to say, well, he's not quite there yet. I just mean that I think the best days for him are still coming. Not the physical talent days, but the mental acuity, the, the, the intelligence. That part is going to get bigger for him, and he's going to be better because of it. So yeah, let, let's wait until the end of his career to really decide that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I just threw that out there because that's, you know, talk show stuff. And yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good topic. I just, yeah, it's I, a good topic. But, but I'm kind of like you. I'm kind of old school in that matter. In that manner, I should say, let them finish it and let them see where it goes. Because, for instance, like G Stacks, big up the G Stacks 434, big up the Bob Cotting, big up to everybody listening. He, he astutely pointed out there was a 10 year period in which Tom Brady. Uh, you know, did not go back to the Super Bowl and was being compared to, um, why am I thinking, forgetting his name as I see his face, De Troy Aikman. He was being compared to Troy Aikman. The guy had a ton of success early in his career, but went through this, didn't win another championship. And the thought was, will the Patriots win another one? Because I think if you look at it right now, if Patrick Mahomes never won a Super Bowl, I mean, is he top five? Another one? Probably not. Um, when you're talking about this top five thing, everything I think goes into it, winning stats, everything. And, you know, some of these guys that we're talking about top five have crazy stats. I mean, the stats are just out of this world bonkers, which is a sign of sustained excellence. The scary thing about Patrick Mahomes is he's this damn good, this damn early. And he's just scratching the surface of the savviness mm -hmm. side of it where he gets savvy, where he becomes the old bull and he walks down yeah, the hill instead of runs down the hill. Now, <laughs> he could still run down the hill right now, but Patrick Mahomes right now showed you he could be absolutely surgical and, and, and be that type of guy that doesn't have to rely on, let me just rely on my physical skills, throw it over the top to the fastest guy, boo-boo bang, run around, and we'll score a zillion points. I could still do that, but I'm going to set up this combination in this knockout. I'm going to hit you with the jab, go to the body, box you, wear you down a little bit, then I'm going to knock you to, out in the 10th round. That's where Patrick Mahomes is right now, and he has Andy Reid with him to get him there. That's going to challenge him and push him. Let me ask you this one last question about the Super Bowl. Before we jump into the NFL honors and your thoughts on the Hall of Fame class, and then we jump into the Steeler question. Is Hurts top five in the NFL? What's his APY look like on a contract? Um, the, the top five thing, miss me with that. I, I, I hate that crap. Um, I, I don't think there are many that I would take over Jalen Hurts right now. APY per the market, it's not per the player. Uh, people need to understand this. You're not, as an agent, you're not negotiating against other players. You're negotiating against their share of the salary cap. 
and the value that they have on their team as represented by being the starting quarterback. Um, Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns messed that up quite a bit. And it's going to be interesting to see how the market reacts, but what Lamar Jackson, for example, is looking for, and he was the first one up, I think, uh, fairly after the Watson and Wilson deals last year, the guaranteed piece of it comes into play. It's not so much the total dollars, which is going to be largely scientifically driven to be 20, 21, 22% of the cap. It's how much of that is going to be guaranteed. Um, that, 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 that's what he is struggling with. To me, it, it's impossible to act as if that isn't the rate for every younger, successful starting quarterback in the NFL. Jalen Hurts just led you to a Super Bowl. He's improved tremendously in the time that you've had him. If you want to keep him, this is what it costs. And it's not because Jalen Hurts feels he's top five in the game. It's because that's what the market will bear. It's simple economics. My services, as represented in the market through these comparables, is worth this much money. Pay me this much money. And give me a 5% premium because, well, I'm here and I can make you do that. You're not going to make me sit. You're not going to tag me. We're not going to get into a back and forth about all this. You'll, you'll see it. When the Ravens pony up the money for Lamar, you're going to see how much of a dog and pony show the, these negotiations really are. It's not very difficult. You're either going to do it or you're not. And nowadays with the quarterback, if you're not, you're going to trade him. So Lamar yeah. is either getting traded or he's signing a, a contract that's probably around the level of Deshaun Watson. They're going to tag him for the sake of um, uh, holding on to him, not letting him go free and negotiate that same deal in the market. By the way, there's no way he wouldn't get that anywhere else. It, it's just simply, this is what Jalen hurts is worth. Or I should say that the symbol of the starting successful quarterback is a runner up for the MVP. In my opinion, he didn't get, quite enough love for MVP that I thought that he would certainly a worthy MVP. If Mahomes wins it, you know, I, I see it going either way. Um, meaning they're, they're both worthy MVPs. He performed at that level for you individually. This is his production. And he led your team to a Super Bowl appearance that puts him at this level, these comparables, which is that, that quarterback percentage of 22, 23, 24%, somewhere in there. You negotiate that against the cap, how they project the cap to increase is his salary amount. He wants this amount per season over X years. That's the total value. From there, it's a negotiation of how much you want to guarantee it. I don't see what the point of, of trying to quibble over guaranteed money with a quarterback even has anymore. What's Baltimore going to do with Lamar Jackson? I, yeah. I don't understand how you can say, one, no, you're not worth the guaranteed money Deshaun Watson's going to get. Then demand the same level of trade compensation as Deshaun Watson. You can't do that. It's stupid. You can if you're, Eric if you're a team. is a much smarter person than I am. He knows that. He's not going to get the trade value or he's not going to pay the, the, the price to keep Lamar. He doesn't have a choice between those two things. It's Lamar's decision, really. Does he want to sign for your lowball offer? Or are you going to get less than three first-round picks for a quarterback that's missed substantial time the last two years? You can't have yeah. it both ways. Yeah, the, whole the issue. Just pay the guy. You know him. He's already yeah. on your team. Then the he'll issue. play over the second half of the season. <clears throat> he didn't. He, he didn't miss six games with that injury. I, I, I refuse to believe that. Yeah, the, the the whole issue of top five is arbitrary. The, you know, those numbers are arbitrary. They're nice show topic numbers uh but but to your point about the market i mean and let me just give you listeners in terms of apy uh the top seven or eight in terms of apy number one is aaron Rodgers at 50 million which uh, per year i don't know if we can even use that contract that's so screwed up that whole situation here's another one russell wilson 49 million Kyler Murray, 46, Deshaun Watson, 46, Mahomes, 45, Josh Allen, 43, Matt Stafford, uh, 40, Dak Prescott, 40. Then it drops to 35 
for Kirk Cousins. So you can pretty much see the line in the sand is Dak Prescott. I didn't think he would get 40 million APY, but after the performance in the Super Bowl, I'm definitely wrong. That might be a bet that I lose to my brother. He is going to find himself in this top echelon. If I'm him, you know, I'm like, look, I'm better than Kyler Murray. The issue that that's the thing, Lance. That's where this goes wrong. And I know that because Kyler Murray got it. Okay. Kyler Murray has not demonstrated himself to be an outstanding player, but he's a young quarterback that you've already invested a bunch of capital in. He's got the Cardinals by the balls. It's leverage. What are they going to do? What's their alternative? Do you think you can trade him to get back what you've already put into him? No, you're not going to be able to do that. If you do, though, you have draft picks. You don't have a quarterback. Then what yes. are you going to do? Yes. Are you going to start? Uh, oh, my God, I forgot his name. Colt McCoy. He's your backup. You have to draft a rookie and start over. Who wants to do that? No. Let's just pay the premium to keep the guy we already know, and let's build on him. Let's. We have to start over, but we're going to keep the quarterback. That is literally the same thing that happened to Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott got $40 million APY three years ago. Yes. The market is 50 now. The price is always going to continue to go up. The biggest, mis- <coughs> the biggest mistake people make is trying to equate um, all of the quarterbacks' current contracts in the same vacuum. Aaron Rodgers' deal is recent, but it's really strange, Okay. Total leverage on his part. Just a a disaster of a situation in Green Bay. You can't even use that. Wilson, Murray, and Watson all signed their deals last year. That's 49, 46, and 46. Mahomes, also a weird contract. You can't even really look at APY with him. Allen, last year, the year before, I think. Stafford, a couple years ago. Prescott, a couple years ago. Cousins. Cousins has been <laughs> Cousins has been gaming the NFL at an expert level for a long time. He should be revered by other quarterbacks. They are only now starting to do what Cousins did like seven years ago. Okay, it, it's phenomenal what Kirk Cousins has done. The amount of money that he's made uh, uh, in doing exactly what I'm talking about. The bottom line is quarterbacks in the NFL. The smart ones know every team in the league needs them a hell of a lot more than the player needs the team. They can play the NFL back at each other because they'll never hit free agency. And the tag is the same amount of money guaranteed, but all of it in in year one. All of it has to be accounted for in the cap, and they have no long-term investment. It's a bad deal. The the tag for a quarterback is a really bad deal for for NFL teams. And that's what they do. Cousins in, in Washington... Uh, they made him what they said was a market-level deal. And Cousins was just like, eh, no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to sign that. Tag me. One year. I'll get the money that I want in one year. I'll bet on myself. I'm not going to get hurt. How many quarterbacks get hurt to a point where their career never recovers? They never get paid again. Hi, Dak Prescott. Did you see his injury? That's as grotesque as it gets. He got paid that offseason. Yeah, the injury didn't off. stop him from making a dime. What he was, made more money that? after he got hurt. What was the quote that uh, Kirk Cousins said in the locker room when he was running the locker room? You like that? Yelled him, what did you he say? Like that? You like that? <laughs> yeah, that's what Kirk said to the NFL. Let's jump real quick before we jump into this Steeler question. How far are the Steelers from or how or how close are the Steelers? Um, any thoughts on the NFL honors? Anything stand out? Of course, Mahomes was the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Nick Bosa, Offensive Player of the Year, Justin Jefferson. Uh, Offensive and defensive rookies were Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner of the Jets, respectively. Comeback player, Geno Smith, Coach uh, Dayball. I thought Peterson should have gotten Coach of the Year. If you can get Jacksonville to the playoffs, that's Coach of the Year. Uh, Anything stand out to you? Any slights? Um, No, minor slight um i i would have given the edge to dayball over peterson i felt that the 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 jags roster was in a much better spot uh than the giants was uh, both of them did outstanding jobs and, and both will be fun to watch 
uh, going into next season. Um, every other one, I think I was, was pretty much uh, what I thought was going to happen. I, I liked Hertz. Um, if I was betting on it, I probably would have bet Mahomes just because people were going to give it to, to Patrick Mahomes. Hertz got hurt. He had a little bit of a, a lull there. Probably Mahomes. I'm good with that. I felt that the rookies of the year were both obvious. Um, really wasn't other options, in my opinion. That includes Kenny Pickett. Uh, Garrett Wilson was phenomenal. He is phenomenal. Um, my boy Alave, uh, I, I wish he had a better situation in New Orleans, but he's, he's still going to be huge. Uh, it, was, it was about right. You know, I, I don't think they're, these awards usually aren't all that controversial. Um, comeback player of the year really kind of depends on who got hurt. And from there, what downtrodden quarterback revived his career. I don't think you could define that any better than Geno Smith who made a lot of money uh, on his season and good for him for doing it. Good for uh, Pete Carroll in Seattle um, taking a team. You know, in fact, Pete Carroll probably didn't get enough coach of the year love. Uh, for what he did with that team, uh, damn near remarkable, yeah. damn near miraculous. I mean, I don't think anybody picked Seattle to win more than five games. They were in the playoffs uh, with Geno Smith. <laughs> Geno Let Smith Pete who cook. broke Russ's passing records. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta love that from a from Let a perspective. <laughs> you know, that's very interesting. Anything on the Hall of Fame? I, I thought Zach Thomas in the Hall of Fame was, I don't know. I, I never thought of Zach Thomas as a superior player. I never thought of him as a gold jacket guy. And, and my criteria when I think of gold jacket players is it should be clear and obvious to me. Like if I think of Zach Thomas and DeMarcus Ware, who's going into the Hall of Fame as well, I, I think of them as different caliber of players. I know they play different positions. Lightly. But Zach Thomas doesn't – I don't say Hall of Fame when I think of Zach Thomas. I think of solid, very good. I think of Teddy Bruschi, honestly. I don't think of Hall of Fame when I think of Zach Thomas. What's your thoughts on, on the class of 2023? You know, I'm, I'm a big Hall of Fame guy. Um, I, I do a lot of research on this. I really enjoy uh, conversations I have with a lot of people. Uh, going voters and non-voters going over all of the information. Um, I didn't feel Zach Thomas should quite have qualified. Um, I am not of the the sense that you are in that it has to be patently obvious to the point where no more than one or two would get in every year. And a lot of years, nobody would. The hall of fame isn't going to exist if that's the way it goes. I mean, you've got to, the, the standard needs to be a little bit more realistic. It's not that I feel that Zach Thomas didn't deserve any kind of consideration. Um, I didn't see a player out of Zach Thomas that stood out in a, a transcendent way. And it, it's interesting you bring up DeMarcus Ware because DeMarcus Ware is the opposite of that. And um, they played together, right? Yeah, they, they were both in, Den- in Dallas that one season. Uh, DeMarcus Ware, and I've had this, this conversation with many people many times, uh, DeMarcus Ware was not only a, a phenomenal pass rusher. He was, in my opinion, neck and neck with James Harrison as the best run defensive outside linebackers of their era. DeMarcus Ware was a, a no-brainer for me. In fact, I was kind of surprised he didn't get in the first ballot. Uh, he, he belonged in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt in my mind he belonged in the Hall of Fame. If he wasn't first ballot, fine, that's another argument. But uh, I, he absolutely does not even come close to comparing. Uh, it, Zach Thomas does not sniff DeMarcus Ware. Not even close. Um, Zach Thomas was a box linebacker at the end of the era of box linebackers. Zach Thomas, as a player, when he was drafted in 1996, playing in 2009, the year after he retired, Take that physical player when he was a rookie and put him in 2009, probably not drafted, might be a special teams player. Yeah. Not lasting. And the real issue that I have is you put that up against Patrick Willis, who's continues to wait. He's another guy who's going to get in the Hall of Fame, certainly now uh, that Zach Thomas got in. Willis will get in 
And there's something to be said about Thomas waited a little bit longer. If you think that both of them are going in anyway, you might make a priority for the guy that's been waiting longer. Patrick Willis is 10 times the player Zach Thomas was. I mean, it's not even close. Yeah, um, it, absolutely. It, I hate to harp on this guy shouldn't have gotten in over who did get in because my big takeaway uh, from the Hall of Fame, and this is something I would have said, you know, the same uh, uh, probably five years ago, Darrell Revis is, in, in my opinion, one of the two or three best cornerbacks ever to play the game. Yes. And he did not, it, as, as sensational as he was, he was oftentimes uh, undervalued. He, the first ballot Hall of Famer, several times all pro. But I just putting it in, in context of this, Darrell Revis was the Jets' entire defense in 2008. He was their entire defense. He took away half the field, not Deion Sanders' style, just covering receivers. He was a force against the run as well. He was a, 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 a dominant edge blitzer. I don't know how many. I mean, to me, cornerback is athlete. Cornerback is versatile. He's the paradigm of versatility, but he didn't look like that. He didn't have the flash that Dion did. He was a, nobody could argue with you. Darrell Rivas was twice as good of an all-around football player as Deion Sanders was. Deion Sanders thinks it's funny to say he makes a business decision to not make a tackle. Never hear Darrell Rivas say that. You would never hear that because he's the first damn guy in on the ball. He's a man. He plays the game like a man. I would take Darrell Rivas over Deion Sanders any day for that very reason. He has the, the same coverage ability. He really does. He's not the, the complete freak athlete that Dion was, but he's a damn good athlete, very good athlete, underrated athlete. He ran like a 4-3-8. He was a, a, a high-level athletic performer. Um, he had a nose for the ball. He tackled better than any other corner of, of his generation. He played the game all around. I look at Darrell Rivas. I think he is, in, in some ways, a Rod Woodson 2.0. In some ways, Rod Woodson was the early Darrell Rivas. But it, it's good company to be in the, the two of those uh, uh, shadow, either one of them. Um, it, it, just an absolutely phenomenal all-around player. And to me, he's the best one on here. And, yes, I know that, that Joe Thomas is in here as well. Also a great player. Um, he was a Brown, didn't play the playoff game, blah, 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 all that crap. Uh, Thomas was as, as dominating a player as we ever saw. He was the only guy I saw uh, really give James Harrison fits. And it's mostly because at that point, Harrison, who is standing only like 5'9", he's not the 5'10", 5'11", that people have him listed as. And he got underneath tackles uh, who couldn't bend over. They weren't athletic enough. To, to squat down and move backwards with Harrison. Um, Thomas is literally twice James Harrison's size. Thomas could do that. that. That's revolutionary for a tackle at that point. They're all freaks now, athletically. It used to be, you might remember this, Lance, back in the day, tackles were frame-wise 340-pound guys that had to lose 30 pounds to play. Nowadays, they're frame-wise 245 pound guys who gain 80 pounds to play. Right. Thomas right. wasn't that. Thomas was kind of the throwback. I'm just naturally this big. I'm going to bulk up a little bit, but incredibly quick and a, a, an excellent technician. Thomas, uh, one of the best ever to play. Absolutely no doubt. First ballot Hall of Famer, as was uh, uh, Revis. Very yeah, excited to see that. No question. The interesting thing, you know, in this class is you had the juxtaposition between a Thomas and obvious guys. So it kind of stood out uh, this year because you had, you know, a couple of obvious guys in Revis and Thomas, and you even had a very good guy in Rondé Barber. But I want to jump into the question of are the Steelers close? And I want to put this in the context of two things. Because when I think of the Steeler team, I think it's very interesting at where they're at as a franchise. I think they're as close to a division championship as possibly they are to a championship. Uh, because I think because of the quarterbacks that they face in the division, and good for the Steelers, 
You know, they did beat every team in the division this year. Uh, but I think, you know, when I think are the Steelers close, they went two and four against playoff teams. Uh, they got outscored in those games 96 to 164. They averaged 16 in those games. They gave up 27. The playoff teams that they beat, they beat the Bengals, of course, in that ridiculous first game, and they beat the Bucks. They got beaten by the Bengals 37-30. They got destroyed by Philly 35-10. They got beat by the Bills 38-3. Uh, they subsequently lost to the Dolphins 16-10, and they beat the Bucks. Are the Steelers close? I, I don't particularly feel they are close to a championship or necessarily close to a division, and that's namely because of the quarterback. Their quarterback has to ascend to a level to be competitive. Like, you can't have possibly the worst starter in a division and be close. You'll be close to being mediocre consistently. Or it, it, your your best bet probably is being mediocre, which is exactly what they have. <laughs> I mean, it, yes. they, they are exactly who we think that they are at this point. And the, the defense that we see with the Steelers, uh, it, it has a very short shelf life. You have to accept the fact that right now T.J. Watt is on the downside of his career. It's not that he hasn't been sensational. He missed half the season. That's going to continue. Edge players do not get better as they get older. They can't play that many snaps anymore. Uh, it, it, that, that's just historical uh, precedent. If he happens to do that, great. I'm super excited. I remember getting screamed at by somebody uh, within our lovely community here for suggesting he's going to get hurt. And then he went out and got hurt in, in the first game. It's not a surprise. You can't stay that level of an athlete. You can't be that twitched up and keep your ligaments intact. It just doesn't work that way. They're human. You know, it, that's, that's the reality of it. Same thing happened to his brother at, at, at his prime. He went down. He got he missed substantial portions of the next three seasons, and he ended up retiring after being kind of a role player. That's sort of what you know. That that's the trajectory for Watt now. You have a replacement for that? No, Alex Highsmith is not T.J. Watt in any way, shape, or form. You don't have an inside linebacking group. We don't even know who's going to start there next season. Uh, all of your defensive backs, not named Minka, are up on contract or they're in the last year of their contract including the, the best one, Cam Sutton, um, we don't know who they're going to be. So to say they're close, I, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what team we're going to be looking at uh, next season. I will say this. You don't have Patrick Mahomes on this team. Don't tell me that you do. You don't have Travis Kelsey on this team. Don't tell me that you do. Pat Frymuth is not Travis Kelsey. He is not going to be Travis Kelsey. He is nowhere near Travis Kelsey. He's a nice player. Travis Kelsey might be the best tight end ever to play the game, and he's still playing at a very high level. Not Pat Frymuth, okay? You don't have Chris Jones on this team. You know, for, for those who don't know who Chris Jones is, watch their defense and see how it basically uh, – it, it, if Chris Jones is not contained, the Chiefs' defense utterly dominated. If he was contained, which wasn't all that often, they got steamrolled. That's how valuable Chris Jones is. Steelers don't have a Chris Jones. So it, it's, it, there are a lot of, and yes, obviously they don't have Andy Reid, <laughs> any side of the ball, anywhere in the building. They don't have Andy Reid. Um, I, I don't want to say they have to be the chiefs. Cause I think, you know, regardless of the D word, I don't think we can act as if the chiefs are, are a realistic standard. They're not. Are they going to be a, an Eagles-like team? Can they put something together to go up against that in, in one season? I don't know. It's tough. But, yeah, as the, another fantastic comment. You could absolutely use a Nick Bolton. How great would Nick Bolton have been on this team? Perfect fit for this defense. They're not finding those guys, okay? Right now, they're pinning their hopes on something called Mark Robinson, a seventh-round draft pick who played running back in college. You, you don't have those players. They need to continue to, to build and add. It's not going to be next year, in my opinion. I like what they have. I, I like what they're building. It's They just don't – they're not going to have enough dudes at the end of the day. They, they don't have enough real difference makers. Um, and 
they don't even have depth right now. That's what they really need to address. It's going to be a good draft for them. Um, I don't anticipate they're going to do a whole lot in free agency. I think you'll see a, 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 I think you'll see the floor of this team come up a bit this season. We're not going to see the, the, the Buffalo massacre or the ass whipping by at, at Philadelphia. Uh, we'll see a more competitive team top to bottom that will start earlier uh, than they have. But I, I don't think nine, 10 wins um, it, that that's probably their ceiling again. Yeah, ultimately, they're not close because, like you said, they don't have the dudes. And there was a time when, you know, the Bills drafted Josh Allen. I think they made maybe a 12-point to almost a two-touchdown jump in points per game in one season. And when you make jumps like that, it's not magical schemes. It's not magically delicious. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's dudes. It's dudes. You got to have you got to have dudes. Uh, you know, like Steeler Freak says, 18 points to 28 in one offseason is asking too much. Not if you have dudes. If you have dudes, you can do it. But they've got to have dudes. And I like G Stax's comment, and this will be the last point we make on the show because we're getting to the hour mark. And G Stax made a good point here. And he asked, what if Kitty Pickett has a Trevor Lawrence jump, how would you rank the Steelers? Here's the interesting thing to that, and I'm going to throw it to you, Neil. I don't think that putting, first of all, putting Kitty Pickett and Trevor Lawrence in the same (laughs) sentence is probably not a good thing. You're probably going to be very disappointed. Um, you, You know, Kenny is a wife, and Trevor Lawrence is a hot date, right? Right. I don't know how to, I'm, you know, you, I'm trying to make this parallel, right? Like Trevor Lawrence might be the, the best looking one, but you never married the best looking girlfriend you ever had. And it goes both ways, right? I'm you not know, even going to try to respond to that. You, you know, people pick solid dudes. People pick solid women typically, you know, so, and hope does spring eternal, but, Here's my question to you, Neil, because I don't even want you to touch the Trevor Lawrence question. Can <laughs> so, Kenny Pickett over the app. next couple of seasons make the type of jump that Jalen Hurts made? Because when you look at their physical gifts and abilities, there is a closer comp between Jalen Hurts and Kenny Pickett than Kenny Pickett and Trevor Lawrence. I was kind of thinking that myself. I, 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 the comment I was going to make after laughing about uh, Pickett becoming Lawrence was, you don't even have to, you know, don't don't strain so much. Why don't we just look at Hertz? Once again, yes. it's just proof that nobody respects the guy. And I don't understand why. I'd love to have Jalen Hurts on this team. Yes, over Kenny Pickett easily, not even a question. Um, I feel like Kenny could develop down that kind of path. Um, how to say this at the end of the show to not spark the fiery debate that we should have had and maybe try to kick the can into to the next show. I think your uh, offensive leadership might need to, to change. I think you might need to go a different direction. Um, <laughs> that's a part of it as well. It's not all of it. Okay. Patrick Mahomes is great. Anyway, Andy Reed is great. Anyway, you put the two of them together, that that's, that's a formidable uh, uh, foe. Um, Shane Steichen did a phenomenal job with Jalen Hurts. Brian Johnson, their quarterback's coach, who presumably will be their offensive coordinator next year. Uh, he did a phenomenal job. All of that is coming underneath Nick Sirianni, who's managing all of it, and, and did a phenomenal job. Um, are the Steelers poised to do that? Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, but no. I, I don't think that uh, uh, the triumvirate of – Tomlin, Canada, and Mike Sullivan is, is quite on that level. Nobody's nobody's talking to Canada or Sullivan about quarterback or offensive coordinator jobs anywhere else. Um, I I would bet on Kenny's improvement. I think he will be a, a better quarterback um, over the, the, the course of next season. I'm excited to see how that goes. I, I am. Uh, the, the innovation piece of it, the things that they're doing, I hope that the Steelers are more capable of adding more, 
next season when they have more continuity among their coaching staff, among their players. First time in a while they've had probably the same, roughly the same group coming back next season. Um, that'll be a big benefit. They will have only improved mentally. They will have only uh, come closer together, uh, understanding what they're doing. I, I like the chances of Kenny Pickett being a pretty reasonable starter next season. I just wonder where those big plays are going to come from. Um, you've got to be able to hit on that stuff, and they are not going to want him to run much. You know, it, that, that only seems to make sense. Um, it, it's also – think of it like this. Hertz is a, a, a definitely a, a bigger – uh, stronger runner. Uh, they ran him on contact stuff. Pickett scrambled and ran. They didn't design runs for him. You can design runs for Hertz. Uh, much quicker, better athlete. Pickett's a good runner, though. You're not going to complain um, if he's able to, to pick up five, get out of bounds, and not take a hit. They're not going to scheme him up to run, though. I, I don't think, anyway. It'd be crazy to see them do that. Um, but I, I think Pickett has that ability as a passer. I think he can be on that level. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic about that. We'll see. It, it's really going to depend on what they want him to do and how they develop him. It's interesting. We're going to go ahead and conclude. And Steelers freak, what's up, freak? Put up the interesting. <laughs> wow, he has the Steelers at plus 6,000 to win it all. Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Hey, 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 bet 200 and, and buy me a Nielsen shoes as well. I uh, I, you know, I wear size 12 uh, double E's, so uh, ship those over to uh, California. But with that, we're going to conclude the show. Before we get out of here, make sure you like and subscribe to the program. And one thing I'm going to start doing some more, I'm going to start putting up more shorts. And I'm going to start trying to cut some of the shows and some of the content to give you guys some little nuggets. <laughs> Shut me up, please. I'm used to work. I'm used to working places that that will cut you. So you 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 give them as much fodder uh, to edit and to go through. You know the the pre recorded stuff is usually what I do. So yes, I'm, I'm not intentionally trying to be long winded, but sometimes it's going to be better that way. We love you. I Neil. apologize. <laughs> I'm we love idiot. you, Neil. With that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you, listeners. Fantastic Super Bowl. Uh, the conclusion of the NFL playing part, but the business season continues to go on, which means we will go on. But with that, we are going to go ahead and conclude the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.